The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. Well, for the first time in over a decade, the city of Buffalo's Common Council has a new president. Here's WBEN's Brayton Wilson. During a reorganizational meeting on Tuesday held in Common Council Chambers at Buffalo City Hall, council members appointed South District Councilman Chris Scanlon as the next council president by an 8 to nothing vote. Scanlon replaces former Ellicott District Councilman Darius Pridgen, who did not seek re-election in November. I do not take this privilege, and I do consider it a privilege. I do not take it on lightly, and I want each of you to know that I will work every day to live up to the awesome responsibility that you have entrusted me with. Scanlon has served in the Buffalo Common Council since 2012 as the city's South District Councilman and had also previously served as President Pro Tem of the Common Council since 2015. Every member of the Buffalo Common Council voted in approval of Scanlon as the new president with the exception of University District Councilman Rashid Wyatt who simply said no when asked for his vote. Wyatt feels at the end of the day the Common Council has lost its independence and it's not because he dislikes Councilman Scanlon or anything of that nature. We've known that over and over again he's voted with the mayor and that's gone against many of us who are independent council members working on behalf of the people. I'm concerned, but this is democracy, and I hope that I'm wrong. Because at the end of the day, the people of the city of Buffalo deserve our best. These are trying times, and will be even more trying times. So we must come together. But on this day, I'm not quite happy. I'm a little disappointed because the independence of the council seems to be gone. Additionally, on Tuesday, the Common Council voted to appoint newcomer Leah Halton Pope as the new majority leader of the council, while Brian Bowman takes over for Scanlon as the new president pro Tem. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Brayton, thank you. We'll be speaking live with Council President Chris Scanlon coming up at 720 this morning. It was intentional, but authorities in Rochester say Monday morning's deadly crash was not terror related. Police say 35-year-old Michael Avery drove a large SUV packed with gas cans into a crowd outside the Kodak Theater, killing two concert goers. Aaron Katursky has more. So far, authorities have found no evidence of any ties to foreign or domestic terrorism and no social or political bias. The suspect died of his injuries. All right, and we'll hear more from an FBI news conference that was held yesterday about this coming up this morning. A wild video, and if you've ever been to that theater there, you know that uh, there is one place where people go in and out, out, and uh, that was it. A senior Hamas leader has been killed in Beirut. Hamas and the Lebanese militant group Hezbollah confirmed the death Tuesday in an explosion. More from Ian Lee in Tel Aviv. This was an explosion in the southern part of the city. According to Hamas, seven members were killed. Now, they also killed this top commander, Saleh El Aruri. He is also one of the founding members of Ezzedine al Qassam. Now, that is the military wing of Hamas. The U.S. government had a $5 million bounty on El Aruri's head. Harvard President Claudine Gay has resigned following backlash over her response to anti-Semitism on campus and accusations of plagiarism. Gay's resignation comes after she was hit with more accusations of plagiarism on Monday. They were detailed in a report from the Washington Free Beacon, a complaint outlining six new allegations that reach into an eighth piece of Gay's 17 published works. The plagiarism allegations followed continued backlash over her failure to clearly condemn campus anti-Semitism at a congressional hearing last month. In her resignation letter, Gay wrote she was stepping down to allow the community to deal with the current challenges as an institution rather than focusing on one individual. 
Well, the CDC says more than half the country experiencing a rise in COVID flu and RSV cases. Meg Oliver following. COVID is making a comeback across the country with the most hospitalization seen since February of last year. The volume of patients is higher. The emergency room at St. Joseph's Medical Center in Patterson, New Jersey is packed with patients. Hospital admissions for COVID more than tripling here from a month ago. How concerned are you with the increase? Uh, They are sicker, especially patients that are the most vulnerable that have comorbid disease, things like cancer or respiratory disease. Meg Oliver with that report. And for many Bills fans, the trip to Miami has been a long-planned yearly tradition. WBEN's Tom Puckett tells us if you're making last-minute plans, pony up. Ticket prices seem to be leveling off for the AFC East Division title game Sunday between the Bills and Dolphins, says Nick Jamuso of VIP Tips. I would check prices again on, on Wednesday and see if uh, prices are coming up or, or, or going down, and that's a good indication by Wednesday. He says nosebleed seats right now are going for $450. Once you have game tickets, you need to find a way to get down to Miami. AAA's Elizabeth Carey says finding a flight may be challenging to the pocketbook. It's going to cost you Six, seven hundred dollars at least to get down there round trip, uh, even more if you want to go on special days, like for instance, Friday to Monday. Uh, most of the Saturday flights on Southwest down to Fort Lauderdale or Miami are already sold out. Kerry says it may be more affordable to call an audible and drive. It is a 19 hour drive from Buffalo to Miami. Find out how much it could cost in gas online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Yeah, no, thank you. I uh, We're going to speak with Nick Giamuso a little bit later on this morning, and I am interested in talking with him because when this game was first announced, uh, the Miami trip, It's I have friends who make it every single year, and, you know, it's one that, you know, okay, I guess I'm not like a big beach guy or, you know, anything like that. Miami doesn't interest me. So, but I know people are going, I'm sure it would be a good sure. time. In January, even better, I don't want to go in September when it's hot, and like January, right. that's the time you want to, I mean, it's... 50 degrees every day here, so it's not really much to escape to. (laughs) But when they announced the schedule, this game was always TBD. And that TBD, I I remember saying on the schedule, like, I can't make make plans. Yeah, I I can't do that. You know, both got to work. You know, we we got to. Could be Sunday night. Yeah. Could be Sunday night. Could be Saturday. Like, how do you plan for that? So I have uh, friends who they were just in town uh, the other week and. I'm like, hey, when's your, you know, this is more than a 50-50 shot. This is probably the Sunday night football game. It's like, yeah, our flight is out early Monday morning. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. Well, that, uh, I mean, at least you'll be at the game and then just, what, drive right right to to the the airport. airport. And then the game is announced and it's probably exactly what they're doing. But It's kind of a bummer for them. Yeah, but for so many people, right, you didn't know at all. It's not like the game was scheduled for one time. I mean, it was totally up in the air. For uh, for a while, and now you have that uh, finality. You know when it is. I would right. almost expect ticket price and what's on the line. Yeah, ticket prices Everything. go up, right? It it's four hundred dollars, four hundred fifty. I think he said there. No thanks. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Lake effect snow uh, just the south and east of Buffalo will slowly inch northward later today. In that lake band, you'll see a couple of inches of accumulation, just enough to make the roads slick at times. Temperatures holding steady today in the mid-30s. Lake effect snow will continue across the area overnight. One to three inches in that band. Overnight lows in the mid-20s. Partly sunny upper 20s on Thursday. A mix of sun and clouds, low to mid-30s. 
Saturdays on Friday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Joining us on the Trocare College live line, Buffalo Police Commissioner Joe Grimalia. We're talking about the year 2023 in gun violence. Obviously a huge topic of discussion every single year. And what the city of Buffalo has seen. Joe, thanks for being on with us this morning. We've seen a decrease in gun violence in the city of Buffalo in 2023. Can you kind of take us through some of these numbers and some of the positives that you might have seen in the past year? Yeah, uh, good morning and happy new year. So, uh, you know, we've, uh, we have a department as a department of working very hard on, uh, you know, daily to bring these numbers down and, you know, we employed uh, a you know a significant new strategy back in uh, March of 22 uh, when I took over as commissioner. It's something that we had been uh, working on the prior uh, probably seven or eight months, getting uh, to where we wanted to be, and uh, a microviolent hotspot uh, crime reduction plan where we divided the city up into grids. We uh, we put the city into 500 foot by 500 foot grids, about 4,700 grids, and we really drilled down and focused on real-time data um, where, where the shootings and shots fired and gun crimes are happening. And we get our officers into those areas in real time. Uh, we do what's called directed patrols. We get our officers with their flashers engaged for a, a higher visibility um, and in those hotspots. And their, their primary focus is to be present, visible, and engaged. They're there to network and engage with the community, the 99% of the good people that are um, living amongst, uh, you know, unfortunately, some of the violence that occurs. And uh, it has really uh, been paying dividends. Um, you know, we had uh, significant reductions, about a 34% reduction last year in shootings. And this year, we are at uh, about a, a 44% um, reduction in our homicides and a, and a uh, 30, uh, 33% reduction in our shootings. So we had 166 people shot last year, which is still far too many compared to 247 people the year before that. Wow. How much credit, Commissioner, do you give to the Peacemakers, uh, the Stop the Violence Coalition, even the Fathers Group? You know, it, it, it takes everybody. It takes, uh, this is not, uh, you know, one one entity doing all the work. Uh, you know, the, the, the violence interrupters play a, a valuable role. They're on the ground. They're out there. They're, uh, you know, trying to quell some of these uh, issues that are occurring. Um, you know, that, that plays one part in it. Uh, law enforcement has a significant role in this. Our officers are out there working very hard. They, they really uh, buy into this plan, um, and they're out there with the goal in mind to prevent violence before it even happens. And it also does a, a tremendous job at building bridges and building those community bridges. We have a lot of law enforcement partners uh, that are helping us when the crimes do occur. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, executing search warrants, going after the bad guys, they're very targeted on, on who we go after. We want to hit the right people. How difficult is it, you know, when you look at these numbers and you have them every single year, how difficult is it to tell if they're the result of something you are or aren't doing, uh, of somebody's actions, or whether it's just, you know, a change in the numbers, like a, like a change in the weather or, or something like that that might be different from year to year? You know, unfortunately, you know, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have some bad spots. You're going to have some, you know, some hiccups. And I hate to address it like that because a hiccup is somebody getting shot. It's, it's somebody getting killed. Um, you know, it, we stick to our strategy. 
We, we are doing what we know is working, uh, being out there, uh, you know, putting out as much of our resources as possible. The state uh, is, is very helpful with a significant uh, gun violence grant that uh, allows us the money to put these resources out there. Our analysis center uh, gives us all that data. They do all that work. Um, so, you know, uh, unfortunately things are gonna happen, but that's where we need to get out there and make sure that those retaliations don't happen. We do our notifications. We go knock on the doors of those that we know are getting involved in things, but we also do another type of door knock. That's where our intelligence detectives, we just uh, doubled the size of our intelligence uh, detective division. Um, those are the guys and girls that go after the guns, uh, the gangs, and we try to quell those uh, retaliations before they can happen. So these numbers are going down, but I want to know when it comes to gun violence, how much of a problem ghost guns are right now compared to a few years ago? You know, ghost guns are still a problem. We're still getting ghost guns. And, uh, you know, it's not just the ghost guns. That's the problem. Um, you also have these uh, these uh, auto sear switches that are um, uh, enabling essentially Glocks to fire fully automatic. It's uh, it's very scary. It's a little switch. It can either be 3D printed or they're buying them uh, from China. It's a it's a small uh, modification. It can be made to a Glock, um, and and that enables a Glock with an extended magazine or a drum magazine to fire. Uh, you know, 32 rounds, 50 rounds in a matter of uh, three to four seconds. And unfortunately, we, uh, we're we rolling up on some scenes at times that has an extensive number of shell casings. Very evident that uh, that it was a Glock switch that, uh, that fired those rounds. Uh, we've had some homicides and some shootings that have occurred with those. So, you know, those uh, Glock switches alone are uh, a federal crime. Just having a, a possession that even without the gun uh, can and should absolutely be prosecuted on the federal level. We work very closely with uh, with the ATF. Um, we're getting these guns and uh, we're referring them over to the U.S. Attorney's Office to attempt to get uh, cases prosecuted federally. You know, w- while we talk about the decrease in violent crime, which you saw falling 6% year over year, it's obviously good news. Uh, on the other hand, uh, from all accounts, you've had other types of crime go the other way. And uh, it's not just in Buffalo, it's around the country, uh, car thefts being among them. What have you seen there as far as trends? You know, we were talking with state police just the other week, and they told us even though it's fallen from the headlines, it's still an issue they're dealing with every single day. What do you see in 2024 as a way that uh, police, not just in Buffalo, but around the country are, are going to be able to hopefully get a handle on this problem? You know, unfortunately, uh, well, you, you know, you just said that our property crime, I'm sorry, our, our violent crime went down 6%, and that's that's great. We're going in the right direction. Uh, our property crimes went up 21%, and that's driven, you know, pun intended, directly by stolen cars. Our stolen cars went up 104%, about 2,800 stolen cars last year. Uh, prior to the Kia and Hyundai issues that uh, came on the uh, on the scene about a year and uh I don't know, about, about 15 months ago, we were typically around a thousand stolen cars a year. So you can see just how much we've increased. Um, you know, and a lot of it is uh, young people, the juveniles. Uh, we're, we're, um, you know, we're, we're still dealing with that, and the system, unfortunately, is just not uh, at this point capable of addressing these repeat offenders and these juveniles that are out there. They just don't care about the consequences. Um, you know, we had an issue last night where. 
Um, we had a carjacking. Uh, it was a, a juveniles stole a car at gunpoint. Our officers uh, were able to uh, get after the car. Uh, they wound up making an arrest on that, and they also made an arrest on another stolen car. Six juveniles were taken into custody last night. We're still making arrests. Our officers are out there uh, being as careful as they can to not endanger the public. But the stolen car issue is a problem, and I, I don't see it lightening up in uh, 2024. It not changing until laws p- perhaps change? You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, the the lack of engine immobilizers and the Kias and Hyundais are why this continues to happen. Um, you know, I, I don't know why they're not uh, addressing the problem um, on, a, on a wider scale, but uh, these model years are still being stolen at, a, at an alarming pace. Uh, we made progress in the second half of the summer with the details that we were doing, um, and then they spiked back up again in November, um, but it's, they're still all way too high. Um, you know, we're rolling our details and we're, we're getting our detectives out there. You know, the, the micro-violent hotspot grid plan that I talked about earlier, we can use that grid system for any crime type. We use that grid system for our stolen cars. We track where they're being dumped. We track uh, where they're being stolen from. We're using that real-time data, and we're getting our detectives on on those faster to get those cars recovered faster. But at the end of the day, we're, we're making arrests of these juveniles, and some of these juveniles are involved in the violent crime. They go hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, you know, they're, they're involved in the shootings, the homicides, the shots fired. Um, and they're using these stolen cars one after another. So it, it continues to be a significant problem. Is there a serious concern here that, you know, when this started, it was people maybe exploiting a glitch in the software? It was these Kias and Hyundais that were super easy to steal, and all you needed was a USB charger, and so the, the kids were just going around and, and doing it. Uh, now, it's been a year. If you own one of these cars, you've likely either gotten a fix or, or you're aware of it to some extent. You, you've hopefully maybe gotten a club or something like that. Uh, but the thefts don't seem to be slowing down. Is there fear now that this started as like, oh, we have something we can exploit to, well, it just opened the door to let's just create chaos all the time? I, I think that's kind of uh, right where it started. Let's create chaos all the time. You've got these, uh, you know, you've got these uh, younger folks that are going out there uh sometimes they're having competitions who can steal you know more cars in a night it's uh you know when you're getting you know a couple hundred two three hundred cars are stolen in a month 400 cars stolen in a month um they're out there they're they're not at home you know where are the parents uh what are the parents doing to attempt to address that problem and sure you've got kids out there that the parents can't control and that's where the violence interrupters come in and, you know, if there's parents out there that are listening to this and you just cannot control, uh, you know, your child, um, you know, reach out to clergy, reach out to some of these uh, violence interrupter groups, get some help, get some help involved to uh, see if they can get your, your kid on the right track. Hey, Commissioner, thank you for coming on with us this morning. We appreciate it. Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year, both of you, too. Thank you. Appreciate it's the opportunity. Buffalo Police Commissioner Joe Grimalia. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning. Produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.